Hey, what up, Long Beach? Put your fours up. We're back for the much-anticipated senior season of the LB Fee Show. As always, this bi-weekly podcast about everything Long Beach State Athletics is hosted by the 562.org, which is still stuck in tiny boxes on computer screens. I'm JJ Fiddler, and he's Mike Artabasio. What's going on, everybody? Always happy to be joining uh, LB Nation, all of the, our friends at the beach, this podcast, as JJ mentioned, back for its fourth season. Um, I'm not going to call it a senior season because I'm not planning on graduating after this. So um, I guess, as we'll talk about later, we're all getting an extra year of eligibility anyway this year. So uh, this would not be the final season of the LVP show. But uh, before we get any further, obviously a lot to talk about. So we've got to bring in the special guest. Every episode of the LVP show, Long Beach State Athletic Director Andy Fee. Andy, what's going on, man? <laughs> Hey, excited, excited to be starting year four uh, of uh, sharing the world at LB Nation with you guys. And, uh, you know, I guess the best way to sum it up is we're off to the fall semester here, but we're doing it in tiny boxes on, on the internet. Yeah. Uh, before we get into the many, many topics we have to talk about since our last episode in early June, I just wanted to say, can you believe that you've been in Long Beach for four years? It just like really doesn't seem that way to me. <laughs> like, Not it's at gone. all. It's very odd. You know, I was literally thinking about that the other day and just as the semester was starting and I, I don't know, it just does not seem like that <laughs> at all. It's crazy. Well, we're, we're happy. We're, we're happy you're here. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at my JJ said fourth season. I'm looking at my watch. I'm going 2007, 2020. Yeah, dang. OK. <laughs> yeah, I, I need to you know, I'm seeing a little bit when I'm looking at my hair color here. I don't know. I need to get a new zoom background to cover up the touch of gray here or something. Just give yourself the Alan Knight cut. <laughs> there you go. Right. <laughs> we forgive you for having gray hair, Andy. You have had your hands full in a long four-year stint here at Long Beach State. Uh, from coaching changes to color changes to mascot changes, it's been all over the place. And yeah, we do have a lot to cover our last episode on June 9th. So just a few things have happened since the last episode of the LB Fee Name Show. Name one. We, uh, <laughs> we've talked to you a few times this summer on our other podcast called What Up Long Beach, which is available at the 562.org every week. But let's just assume the listeners of this show haven't heard from you. So let's cover it all as quickly as we can here. First and foremost, how have you been personally at the Fee household? Are you holding up okay during a summer we will certainly never forget? We're, we're doing good. Nicole and I are uh, living virtually. Um, summer off for her. She's a kindergarten teacher here in Long Beach Unified. And uh, so I've been working is kind of we've had one office, so to speak, up and running. And uh, now, now things get a little more dynamic around the house, you know, battling over Wi-Fi signals and uh, you know, all that, that fun stuff with, with two offices, so to speak. But uh, yeah, living in a, in a world I never imagined. And I know a lot of us are probably feeling the same way, but uh, we're going to figure it out. We'll, we'll, we'll get up and running hopefully here um, in the not too distant future, as you said, starting off with the postponement of fall sports. So right now our fall sports have been tabled until January of 2021. Yeah, we should be talking about women's soccer, women's volleyball, and the other fall sports here, but we are not in that other universe we would be. But here, we're just waiting. That waiting game has got to be tough on your entire department. How are you guys dealing with, you know, not having sporting events right now? Yeah, I think um, it, it wears, and I think it 
what I think for us, and it's probably maybe what a lot of people might be feeling is, it's just the continued uncertainty. You know, it's just been so long, even just around fall sports, even going through what we did in the spring, but it's the, are we going to play? Are we going to play? And then finally we get the postponement. So that maybe a little bit makes people feel better in a weird way of just saying, okay, well, I know I'm not playing a, a match in, in August at George Allen field, but now we're getting into the, the clock of, okay, well, what does that actually mean? Is there a season that starts on a certain date is, you know, what am I playing? Are we playing 20 matches in soccer? Are we playing 12? You know, I mean, we're back into the uncertainty. So it's a, just a weird world of back and forth, back and forth. What, um, I think one question I'm trying to remind myself to ask um, administrators when we get a chance to talk to them, it's 1.20 PM on Monday as we're recording it, um, just to timestamp this information, but are there dates that you're aware of for reevaluations? You know, I mean, is there a date at which you think on that date, it would be likely that you guys are either pressing a green button for going in January or a red button for, we're not going to be able to do it this year. Yeah. I think there's been a couple of dates floated around basketball seasons. Um, I don't think the November 10th is very likely. I keep hearing after Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving and then, moving the calendar um, towards um, spring of 21. I think we'll know late September, really what we're talking about and probably have that proposed basketball schedule in hand is my guess. I mean, people are gonna have to either punt on games and travel plans and, and things of that nature. So I can't imagine it going more than another three weeks. Um, but again, <laughs> everything comes with the caveat, right? That it could change. Unless it does. Yeah. Third, third week of, of uh, September is my guess. Third, fourth week, we'll, we'll know. But uh, what, what about for those January sports? You know, I mean, if you're a, if you're a big time, I, I know, um, you know, basketball and baseball obviously get the most attention. But I was telling JJ, you know, he covers the women's soccer teams. But for me, as a parent. I like it's in my internal calendar that we've got the kids at George Allen field for women's soccer games, Sunday evenings in the autumn. Um, they can run around with their friends and watch us while we watch the sunset and sit on the lawn. Right. What about for those January sports? Do you think there's sort of a, a framework for when those, those dates are going to be reevaluated? Yeah. So, you know, let's just, I, you know, men's volleyball just popped in my mind. Um, I saw someone tweeting about it um, this morning. But anyway, so that one just pops in my mind. And they are a spring sport and basically get going at the end of December um, and into the first week of January. They're, they're on the road and, and, and playing. So we're going to have to know, I would say, by October 15th to the 30th of, you know, like, hey, is men's volleyball throwing a ball up at the end of December? And are they playing a regular season i mean one of the things that, that i keep wondering about and i think we've talked about this is how do you fold fall sports into spring sports because spring sports that's still a lot of matches games that are planned right and we have only so much staff so to speak in terms of facilities and operations and you know can you host a mat a volleyball match in the pyramid and another volleyball match because the women are playing in the gold mine and then there's a women's soccer match at Georgia. You know, you start playing this, 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 you know, fill in the facility with a team. 
but you know, two basketballs, you know, two volleyballs, you know, soccer, and then you, you just throw everything else in. We're heavy in the spring, so it's not just you know one or the other. So right. you know, yeah, they're independent conversations, but we really, in my opinion, need to start really thinking about you know, can we host? I mean, let's just say spring sports. You could play all the games just well, for whatever reason, COVID, etc. Can you practically? play all the games or do you have to modify those seasons are, are you, you doing know? ticket taking on the honor system or something right yeah i mean yeah. i mean yeah is it not ticketed i mean you know we'd have two water polos going i mean you just have to figure out what's going on and are there enough officials you know are there enough are there enough water polo officials to do you know high school games and college matches and you got overlapping seasons and because normally opposite seasons for us the officials work both sides um, fall men's and spring women's and you know who knows right so there's just a lot of practical moving parts and that's uh, what you know I'm concerned about you know I just want to make sure that we get as much hopeful competition and practices as we can but we also need to be realistic about what's practical. Well Ernie Banks would be pleased because it sounds like you guys are going to have a lot of double headers over there at Long Beach State as if you didn't need more complications the NCAA has already given the fall athletes of 2020 eligibility relief the same way they gave the spring athletes of 2020 eligibility relief, which kind of leaves you with more players than roster spots. How is that going to affect the department and not only just your department, but a lot of mid-major departments? Well, you know, obviously we, we want our student athletes to, to get as much out of their five-year clock, so to speak, you know, the five years that you can play four um, NCAA seasons within a five-year period. So um, we, we hope that student athletes get that full clock. Um, adding seasons, it sounds great. My heart agrees with it and I would never want to turn someone away. But the reality is if, if as the NCAA is um, putting forward that we maintain scholarships with student athletes who get seasons canceled, we run into the problem of we just don't have the budget to pay for extra years. You know, typically when someone completes their clock, whatever aid Andy was on, if Andy was on half a scholarship, JJ, the incoming freshman is taking that scholarship. So we can't afford both ends uh, of the bookcase, so to speak. You know, the incoming student athlete and an extra year adds up to more money than, than we have. And then you just get into roster spots and, you know, the more roster spots, basically it's a multiplier effect, right? So what is it to travel 35 baseball players versus 51, you know? Well, and I mean, it's a logistical challenge for you guys financially, but it's also, you know, and I mean, I, I think because of the decisions the NCAA has made, and I agree with you, I, I'm not against the decisions. And certainly from an emotional perspective, you're really happy about it, but I feel like as sports writers, this is going to be the story of the next like two to four years for us, because as, as hard as it is for you to fundraise or try and find the money to pay for it, you know, what do you do if you're, um, if you're Joy McKenzie Fearbringer and you've got, I mean, you know, you, you go into a coach's office for any sport at any college in America and they've got the whiteboard with here's who's coming in 2020, 21, 22, 23, 24. And those spots realistically are figured out three or four years ahead of time in some sports, you know, especially ones like a women's volleyball or softball where the recruiting happens early. And so it creates a logistical nightmare for the coaches and for the kids where I think there's going to be a ton of re-recruitment for someone who thought, okay, I'm going to go be 
the star quarterback at this college, oh, wait, their guy didn't have a good year. He's not going to get the NFL look he wants. He's coming back. So now, I'm, now is it, are we going to have a whole generation of kids redshirting? Or is there going to be, you know, that there's a scramble where, okay, now we've got to find out. You've got to re-go through the recruitment process. And where's the person in my position actually graduating? Or where can they not afford to give them an extra year of, uh, of scholarship or whatever? And I, JJ and I talked about this just with like baseball and track and volleyball in the spring when the NCAA made this decision. But I, I get it again from an emotional perspective and I'm happy for the kids in schools that can take advantage. But boy, it feels like a, um, for college, junior college and high school, it feels like an absolute like groundbreaking shift that I don't think people understand the magnitude and the ripple effects that it'll have over several years. Yeah, I mean, here, here's the really scary one. Let's say that, um, because NCAA has said if a student athlete decides not to, to play because of COVID, that's, that's a year back. What happens if in the spring, the season, the schedule's contracted and player says, ah, one, I just don't feel, you know, it's safe. And two, do I, you know, I'm playing half the matches, I'm gonna burn a year. You could have a men's volleyball athlete get spring 20 and spring 21, add that to, I mean, and then it's the multiplier effect and you start going, yeah. If, I mean, what if we still had, you know, the amazing guys that graduated from the back-to-back -back national championships come back. I mean, like, and somehow we, we convinced them to stay, but I mean, if I was a setter and Josh Tuniga still had two more years on top of whatever I had to do. I'm, I'm going to USC. I'll see you later. Yeah, I'd be like, <laughs> I'm out of here. I don't know what I'm going to do. And, right. and I certainly don't want this to happen, but you know, all of these decisions impact one another. And it is the domino effect of once you start giving away seasons, so to speak, and I hate to use that terminology, but you you are just giving the out. And I get it. It's a brutal situation to be in. But I also kind of say, you know, yeah, I, I wish we could do all of those things. It might, as you know, you're saying, Mike, emotionally, I'm on board. <laughs> Let, let's do it. But then I start to go, well, if we have to pay I guess we're not paying incoming student. I don't know yeah. how you well, do that. The, the, the last really quick point I'll make, because I know JJ's got, uh, we're trying to cover quite a lot of ground today, but I just wanted to mention, you know, we've, we've said a couple of times, and I, obviously an overarching thing you talk about Long Beach State is the, the, the financial dynamics of a mid-major. And I just wanted to point out that particularly with football in question this year, you know, this is going to be a problem that hits every college for, for what we, what JJ and I call the Olympic sports, you know, your, your volleyball, um, your soccer, et cetera. Stanford's cutting men's volleyball. You know, I mean, you're talking about a school that um, from our perspective down here, you know, could buy its own helicopter if it wanted to or, or whatever, right? And the biggest and, and most endowed colleges are going to be having to look at all of these sports as well. And the truth of it is that as much as you want to do right by the kids, and obviously for JJ and I and for Andy, that's all we want to do. Um, these scholarship considerations don't make that situation easier. You know, I mean, they just don't. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting year here. So we'll see where it goes. Sounds like we could get a couple of Chris Wankies out there, you know, up in the age. <laughs> like people are going to be able to rent uh, cars before they graduate. <laughs> I'm anticipating a lot of rosters that look like BYU men's volleyball. I was about to say, I was about to say some of the, some of the BYU kids might be like uh, refinancing mortgages by the time they get out of college. Gray right? hairs in there, right? <laughs> 
let's, let's talk about something a little bit more uplifting. The fact that there are student athletes back on campus at Long Beach State in what we are referring to as the mini bubble or pods, because you can't do the NBA bubble, right? You can't have all of those amenities available and literally let people live inside of one community. However, you're trying to make small communities for these student athletes to live in to try to keep everybody safe. So for somebody who's been waiting to hear student athletes back on campus, this is good news, right, Andy? Yeah, definitely. When, when we have our student athletes together, that, that's always the best um, scenario. So what, what we do is we have some, some student athletes on campus. Obviously, housing has limited uh, the number of students living on campus, but we have a cohort of student athletes within that group. And um, housing has been fantastic to work with in terms of trying to keep many pods of our athletes together. Certainly, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we can't, you know, track them foot by foot and, and know exactly where they are. But assuming that, you know, for the most part that they stay in their little cohort, meaning that, you know, we don't really socialize with anybody outside of this group. And when you leave the pod, so to speak, if you have to get groceries, you all, you know, wear a mask, social distance, sanitize, et cetera. So we are trying to prep for the, for the time when we can get approval to come back that we can kind of ramp it up. It's still gonna probably take probably two weeks from the day that we get approval that we say, hey, we're, we're back in action to uh, you know, some sort of first team activity. It's probably gonna be two weeks, but you know, we wanna be able to keep it at two weeks or less, you know, whatever is feasible and safe. So right now we're focused on trying to get people to make good choices. That's, that's the number one thing. How do you know it's working? Are you guys doing testing? So, so right now we, uh, we're, we're checking in with the student athletes. And so the biggest one, and we know this, that there's asymptomatic and symptomatic, but um, there is a pretty rigid uh, protocol for symptomatic, meaning that if the student athletes feel that they have any of the symptoms, um, they know they need to let their uh, athletic trainers know and the staff know so that we can certainly help them um, get whatever treatment and then also um, make sure that whomever they're around, you know, so if there's roommates that need to be informed that there's a, a, a protocol for all of that. So one, um, they're doing that. So we don't have ongoing testing right now. That's the next biggest piece of the puzzle is how do we find, and there was some news last week, and, and I don't know if it's, uh, you know, going to be down at CVS next week, hopefully, but a, a cheaper test that we can test every single day because Ultimately, if we can test every single day and kind of keep them in cohorts, I think we've got a chance. Um, if, for people who are interested in the logistics of that, because that's the kind of nerdy stuff that JJ and I get really into, um, we talked for probably a half hour about the logistics of testing and, and finding tests and everything else on uh, Andy's appearance on What Up Long Beach a couple of weeks ago, which as JJ mentioned is available at the 562.org. Um, I, I think my question for you, to pull back on what JJ is talking about slightly is how confident are you that doing this work, getting the kids into cohorts or mini pods or what have you, how confident are you that that leads to some kind of a season at this point in time? Yeah. So, um, you know, we we're working to find the best plan that we can. Um, we also are trying to be strategic too. You know, we've got the basketball teams potted, like I said, out of the student athletes, we tried to group it pretty um, close, but we've also said to a lot of students, don't rush back. So what we're trying to do is start with some smaller numbers, see how that works, see if we're going to get any positives. Obviously, schools just started, so we'll see 
how well people are making decisions. And um, once we, we, we can push a, a testing protocol into place, then we probably ramp it up. So right now we are telling a lot of student athletes, hey, you might be in your hometown, you might have access to get shots up in the gym or run around the track or, or do whatever. So it's a little bit of a moving target, but we're gonna try and start with probably the two courts that we've talked about the most, men's and women's basketball being winter sports. So we're kind of focused on those two groups um, and seeing how the, the protocols in place go. But until we get the testing solution, we're not going to really know. I mean, I wish I could sit here and tell you, hey, it's all good. I, 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 I hope it's all good, but I can't, I can't confirm that without testing. And right I, now, I haven't gotten it all good since uh, probably the, like, it feels like the 2019 Men's Volleyball National Championship. I mean, we're, we're, we're no longer in all good territory. We just want to keep everyone updated on the process, you know? <laughs> not a simple one. Speaking about logistics, are the student athletes who are on campus right now able to work out on campus? Or are they running the track or how's that work? No. So right now all the facilities are, are, are closed. I think really um, what it comes down to and, and maybe deviating a little bit off playing off your question, JJ, but it's going to be really, I think what, what we're waiting for right now, I think the county wants to wait to see what happens after Labor Day. So right now they have, been continuing that hold where um, our facilities are closed. So none of the gyms are open, the track's not open, um, none of the, the, the athletic facilities are available for use. So student athletes may be on campus um, and they may have, uh, you know, there's some Almana classes on campus. So they're either going to campus, but there's not a whole heck of a lot going on. So, you know, again, while I keep talking about good, good choices, I'm hoping a lot of people, not just our student athletes, are making good choices over the upcoming two weeks because if, if we come back from Labor Day and in L.A. County, Long Beach, the numbers spike again, um, probably not talking about getting access to any of those facilities till much later in the calendar. It could be October later even. So well, don't do anything stupid on Labor Day, sports fans. <laughs> When that news breaks, as has been the case all summer, you're going to find it at the562.org. Things you can control, things you can't control. We've been getting lessons all over the place over the last few months. Uh, and one of the things you couldn't control is the fact that Cal State University Long Beach decided to give itself a new mascot. His name is Elby. It's a shark. But that doesn't mean that Long Beach State Athletics are now the Sharks. We've obviously written about this for years as the change from 49ers happened and now LB arrives. Andy Fee, how has the department been feeling about the uh, arrival, I should say, or maybe um, announcement of LB the Shark? Um, I think with, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, trepidation maybe, but also some excitement. I think, you know, when you go through changes um, around a mascot, certainly there's a lot of emotion, right? So there's the trepidation of, you know, I think everybody's kind of like, how, how, how is it going to be received? And certainly you're going to probably see it all over the spectrum there. But, you know, it's, uh, it is a change in the mascot. But, you know, it, as, as we've talked about, you know, outside of you seeing it on campus and, you know, your kids taking a picture or you taking a picture with LB as a, as a cool little maybe social media picture, you're not going to see anything different. Our uniforms are not changing. We're still beach athletics. Um, go beach. I mean, it's not go sharks, it's, it's go dirt bags, it's go beach. So it's more just a little bit of the feel around it. I certainly hear and understand those that may not be happy, but the university has made the change. We're going to move forward. And, you know, for those that are, you know, upset, 
I get it, I hear you, but what I hope is there's, as the old saying goes, more that binds us together here and, and love for our campus um, than divides us. So hopefully we can, uh, we can all move forward and, <laughs> and turn the page. I, I would like, I, I have two points quickly. I would like to see LB incorporated into the uh, strength and conditioning staff, um, probably the most muscular shark in history. And um, second of all, we all talk a lot about uh, normalcy and a sense of normalcy. And I would just say as a sports writer, it was the most normal I felt in you know, a good six months to have uh, my phone getting blown up with angry uh, Long Beach State fans who wanted to, to yell at someone about the mascot. It was kind of, it was a little bit nice. It was like a little bit of a like, oh, like low stakes controversies. Like, this is great, you know? <laughs> I, you know, I, 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 you know, I'm a, a positive believer in, you know, my nature of being an optimist. So, you know, I, I look at it as, you know what, hey, to change, I embrace change. I'm a change guy. I'm a, you know, I'm going to be okay with change. Um, but I don't know how cool. I think it'd be kind of cool. You're at a water polo match, men or women, and suddenly LB makes an appearance and the Jaws music starts. And I don't know, like part of me is kind of like, <laughs> you know, you can look at it two ways. Um, you know, just, hey, just can't get past it. Or, or B, hey, maybe it's not your first choice, but let's just have fun with it. You know, I mean, uh, again, hopefully more binds us together about Long Beach State than, you know, breaks this up so you just said the key word andy it's change and as i wrote in the column that's available on the 562.org right now change is long beach state's tradition everything has changed so much since 1949 and there will always be the 49ers from 1949 to 2018 that's fine and changes and change is good you know what i mean i mean we've yeah. gotten emails from people who are saying how dare they do this i'm no longer donating to the athletic department what are you holding on to? Are you, are you so dedicated to this one version of Long Beach State that you can't have any other version, even though you've supported multiple versions over the last however many years? Like, I don't, I don't get that at all. Like, we should be supporting it more now that we're in the time that we're in instead of choosing things to get upset about. It's really not that big a deal. But society has long been, as you just said, about change. Everything changes. Heck, the U.S. Constitution has been amended 27 <laughs> times, I believe. Someone can double check that number. Robble, robble. My point being is that, you know, for us to feign indignation that there's been serious or significant changes in society or things that are around us, look, I get it. Some, some aren't comfortable, but that is the one constant. And, um, you know, I... I think, uh, you know, it's time to turn the page, so to speak, and... Um, In yeah. your dreams, dude. <laughs> I mean, everyone's... <laughs> what? I thought, you know, my lips to God's ears. No, that's not how... I, listen, the only people who'd like to not talk about uh, mascots more than you in the city of Long Beach are JJ and I, but I, you know, I'm not, you're more optimistic than I am, Andy. I'll say that. <laughs> I, gotta keep t I gotta keep saying it to myself. That's all I can Yeah, b bigger fish to fry for sure. Uh, and one of those things that is obviously affecting everyone in this time of COVID is, you know, you got to tighten the belt. There's been layoffs for, for almost every single profession, and that includes his college athletics and athletic department. Andy, I know you guys have gone through some losses like many other schools, specifically, again, mid-majors. How are you guys dealing with that? It's got to be a tough time. Yeah, so certainly we're, we're looking to reduce expenses everywhere that we can. We need to, we need to save money. 
um, to keep as much as we can. So lots of cuts and, you know, some are more painful than others. As I always say, we don't have fat, so it's not like it's just, okay, get rid of the charge of flight. But, you know, we're doing the things that we can do to, to reduce expenses. Um, unfortunately, we can't get there just with cutting operating budgets. You know, at some point we still have to keep things up and running. We can't just walk away and turn the lights off. So um, we've gone through some operational changes and some positions that we haven't refilled in, in terms of appointments. Um, so we've had some staffing changes. We certainly, as I just mentioned, have had some overall budget changes. So we're, we're doing what we can. We're not alone. That, that doesn't make it necessarily easier, but it puts it into perspective. A lot of things being put into perspective over the last few months. One of them, the, the beach community lost some of its members, some of its greatest members. And at the top of that list, I think, uh, just recently passed away has got to be legendary Hall of Fame coach, Lute Olson. Yeah, um, one, one you know, memory I have of, of Coach Olson, I, I, I got to meet him a couple of times. He certainly wouldn't have ever remembered me, but um, when I was at Arizona State many, many, many moons ago. But I actually was there when he won his 500th game. Uh, it was 96, November of 96. There was like this seven up like showdown in Phoenix at the Veterans Memorial Coliseum. Um, and it was, I think it was Arizona State, I couldn't even tell, I think it was Arizona State, maybe NC State in the first game of the doubleheader, and then it was Arizona-Cincinnati. So I ended up staying uh, for the, to watch their game, and that was where Ludolson won his 500th career game, and it was on Miles Simon thrown in like a 65-foot, three-quarter court wow. at the buzzer to win it. And I just remember laughing. I was sitting in the corner and like, they had this huge cake, like in the little like corner of the, and I'm like, Dad. I'm like, they are not cutting that cake today. Ain't gonna happen. Ain't gonna happen. I'm laughing. I'm pointing. I'm like, kiss the dad. I even think I yelled at him or something like that. And then like 30 seconds later out of, out of this, you know, timeout when, uh, you know, the, the play goes down and I'm like, so lucky that guy is so lucky pushing the cake right now i mean imagine that little uh, disappointment but uh you know obviously uh, i'm not alone um our fans certainly have some great memories of his time at city college and then here at long beach state and obviously going on to iowa and arizona and um he's a pretty amazing coach um certainly you know my my alma mater's arch nemesis but i have a ton of respect for what what he was able to do yeah, I just wanted to share a couple of stories really quick um, about uh, about Coach Olson. And I think if you're a younger Long Beach State fan, you might not understand that the insane run of coaches in the 70s where Long Beach State had Jerry Tarkanian, followed by Lute Olson, and then two coaches later, just a couple of years later, followed by Tex Winter. Um, Tex Winter, who actually convinced Lute Olson to leave LBCC, uh, the junior college in Long Beach, where he'd been coaching for four years and had won, uh, had, I believe had been in the state championship all four years, had won uh, one of them, and was like, I don't know, it's a good job, I could stay here forever, it's really, you know, and, um, and he'd gotten that job after coaching at Marina High School, you know, I mean, so he's like, okay, they sort of dragged him out of Huntington Beach to uh, LBCC, and Texas, he gets the job offer from the athletic director at Long Beach State because uh, Jerry Tarkanian had left for UNLV. Um, the money had been placed on the table for Tark, you know, he's out of there. And, um, and he goes, yeah, I don't know. Tex Winter convinces him, no, 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 go take the job. And so he, the, the one thing, and you'll appreciate this, Andy, because this is the athletic department at the time was the exact opposite of the way you run your athletic department. The athletic director at the time goes, 
no, no, no. I know you're reading all these news stories about we're under investigation. There's not going to be any probation. We're not, we're not going to be in any trouble. And so Lute Olson goes, and this is all, by the way, uh, told to told by Lute Olson to Chris Trevino, uh, who co-wrote Basketball in Long Beach with me. He did the Long Beach State chapter. He goes, okay, they convinced me there wasn't going to be probation. So I took the Long Beach State job. He's there for one season. While they're ranked number three in the country in the midst of the highest winning percentage season in school history, uh, which I believe was a record of 24 and three, 24 and two, excuse me. While they're ranked number three in the country, um, the word, the hammer comes down from the NCAA. Long Beach State is uh, barred from the postseason for that year, I think two years thereafter. Um, and you're talking about a team with Glenn McDonald, you know, I mean, multiple Hall of Famers, multiple NBA players. And, you know, I, this is history that JJ and I, even when we were in college, we were pretty big fans. I didn't know any of this stuff. But if you talk to the guys who were in college at that time, this is like, uh, not, I'm not even talking about Glenn McDonald. I'm talking about students. This is like the bane of their existence. They're like, we were going to beat UCLA. We were going to win the national championship. Um, but it was looking like potentially a UCLA Long Beach State game and a Final Four, you know, <laughs> just like stuff that would have been lifelong memories, um, which is just absolutely brutal. So he said, Lou Dolson told Chris, he said, if the athletic director had been honest with me that the probation was coming, I would never have left Long Beach. I would have, I, he, that would have been where I coached. It would have been where I finished my career. I loved living there. That's where we wanted to raise our kids. Um, so he, obviously he goes on to Arizona, wins the national championship, 1988, Steve Kerr and all that. But he, he still said, and he told Chris, that one year he had at Long Beach State was the most talented basketball team that he ever coached. And yeah, so, the I, stories I've, you hear, Mike, are, are crazy. You know, um, I had a couple of media actually reach out to get in touch with Glenn and some of the other guys to talk about that. And I saw some of what they wrote in Powerful. Yeah, I, I'll just close with the most heartbreaking quote from uh, our, our great supporter in yours, Marilyn Bull, who left this comment on our Facebook page. Of all the words of tongue and pen, the saddest are these, it might have been. Yeah. The Lute Olsen at Long Beach State story. <laughs> so, Man. You never know, right? It could tilt one way. <laughs> Use your own adventure. Ugh. You can find that story and everything else Long Beach sports at the562.org because that's where you're going to find all the coverage of Long Beach State, the newsletter, videos, previews, recaps, obviously the Twitter updates and interaction because we need it now more than ever. The562.org, there for you always. Also, support the sponsors, Naples Rib Company. Got to shout them out. They have been incredible throughout this uncertain time. And as we get into the outro, we're going to switch it up. Last year, we did recommendations before getting out of here. But I think this year, we're going to do shout-outs. Big, big shouts. If somebody out there has impressed you, a person, a group of people, maybe somebody on campus, maybe somebody just in the zeitgeist, that you feel like deserves a shout, let them know. So, Andy, the first one, the inaugural, big shout from Andy Fee. Who do you got on your list? Yeah, maybe two, maybe two groups. So, one would be um, our donors and alums who participated in our first, I'm calling it the first annual, my, my staff seems a little uh, nervous, but the first annual uh, Long Beach State Beach, a Beach Athletic Fund Run, so our fundraiser for scholarships. So, we raised over $15,000 uh, for athletic scholarships here at Long Beach, thanks to everybody who uh, jumped into this virtual 5k run and uh, so our donors supporters everyone who ran in that sucker uh, and then also my staff who uh, put that all together 
uh, led by Camden Stockton in our development office, and then Benny Garcia and Jeff Scott in the ticket office, and then there were others. But you know, those three folks uh, working together and uh, our, our fans, we had a, a pretty cool Sunday yesterday. So that's my shout out. Athletics activity always uplifting for sure. I think my big shout has to go to the Lakers and Clippers because them sending a message with that play stoppage, I don't need to get into the details. You all have seen the story. I mean, that's stuff that gets on CNN, not just ESPN. And I think that's really, really important right now. No matter what happened after they voted like that, just voting like that sends a message. And a friend of mine, Paul Tyler, who was uh, uh, on Facebook the other day, he said it perfectly. He said, after years of domestic abuse, exploitation, and general misogyny, it's been tough to say this, but today I am a proud sports fan. And I think that's just incredibly well said. And big shouts to the Lakers and Clippers for saying something in a time when we need to give the voice to the voiceless. Mike, what do you got? Well, I uh, fully second everything that you just said, by the way. And we, um, you know, uh, athletes that we covered, Long Beach guys, you know, James Ennis was a part of those walkouts with the Magic um, you know, was on the court with the Magic when the Bucks decided they weren't coming out and, and they left the court. And, and when they asked the Magic, are you going to accept this as a forfeit? You know, they said, no, we're not going to accept it as a forfeit. And I, I, my hats go off to all those guys as well. Um, my shout is going to be to the teachers in Long Beach. Uh, that includes the spouses of two of the three people on this podcast right now. <laughs> um, as my wife is in the same boat as Andy's uh, getting ready for the school year here to start on uh, Tuesday, September 1st for 70,000 plus LVUSD students, 3,000 plus teachers. Um, this is going to be a year that is unlike anything we've ever seen. And uh, I have been inspired listening to my wife's trainings and uh, talking with her afterwards about just the sort of spirit of adventure that these teachers have about going, this year's gonna suck. There's nothing we can do about it, but we're gonna make the most of it. We're gonna show up for our kids. Um, we're gonna try and not take it personally when parents want us to be tech support and a babysitter and a teacher and everything else. And, um, you know, I just would urge everyone to treat each other with kindness and empathy um, because, you know, like it or not, we're all in this together at some point knock on wood this is going to be over um and then we're all still going to be here together you'd probably rather not have told your your child's kindergarten or high school teacher or whatever that you know they were a piece of crap or <laughs> something else so be nice to each other be patient and uh you know usually we tell everyone jj and i usually tweet out today make sure you leave for work five minutes early tomorrow so you can go slow and look out for kids so i'm just going to tell everyone wake up five minutes earlier meditate for five minutes and try and take a deep breath before you respond to people throughout the day. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I know we all do. And what I keep telling my staff is we're all wound up super tight right now. There's a lot going on. And just to remind each other, you know, let's give each other the benefit of the doubt, right? Before we just rush to some conclusion. Uh, let's ask more questions and do more listening. And I'm on board with you guys. Those are both uh, great shout outs. Well, there it is, the first episode of the fourth season of the LB Fee Show, talking everything Long Beach State Athletics, and we encourage interaction. Please reach out to us. We've got this most simple emails of all time. Mine is JJ at the 562.org, and it's Mike at the 562.org. We want to Mine talk is also to you guys. JJ at the 562.org. <laughs> we want to talk to you guys, and we want to know what you want to hear on the next episode of the LB Fee Show, which will obviously include interviews with coaches, student athletes, and staff. 
from the athletic department. So thank you, Andy Fee, for having us back for another season. We're looking forward to it and looking forward to being out there covering more Long Beach State athletics. Thank you to producer Roger, and thank you for listening. We will talk to you soon, LB Nation. Take care.